Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. Hey guys, welcome back to Storytime Podcast. I am your host, Haley Lira. And today I have a story that I almost didn't do. In fact, I put off doing it for a long time and told people no because it was just so sad. Before I get started, of course, I'm going to thank you for tuning into Storytime Podcast. And go check out my Facebook page, Storytime Slayer. I'm way more active on Facebook than Instagram, just naturally. I don't know why. So check that out for more video footage, news clips, articles, things like that pertaining to these episodes. And if you don't mind, please leave me a five star. I know honesty is always the best policy, but I really want a five star review. Okay, let's jump into it. So today I'm going to cover the story of the Broken Arrow killings, the two Bever brothers who went on a killing spree in their own home, over 100 stab wounds and five deceased. This all took place at about 1130 and 911 call came in from a 12 year old boy saying that he was being attacked by someone in his home. In fact, I'm going to play the 911 call for you guys. Where are you at? Broken out, Oklahoma, 7491. What address? 7491. Okay. Are you the only one there? No. My brother's attacking my family. Your dad is attacking your family? No, my dad's. Oh! He has a knife. Okay, who's attacking your family? Who's attacking your family? Yes. Who, who is it? Do they have a phone? Are you there? What you just heard was the 911 call of Daniel, 12 year old brother, to Michael and Robert Bever calling to report that his brother was stabbing his whole family. Unfortunately, that commotion you hear at the end was Michael tricking Daniel into opening the door so that he could then attack him. And if I'm not mistaken, that was Michael who said hello at the end of the 911 phone call after he'd attacked his brother. So I am just going to get right to it. The timeline is set mostly off of Michael's interview. All of the timeline and information is accurate and truthful based on forensic evidence and court proceedings. So let's just jump in. Michael Bever, two months before this incident, around May 15th, his brother Robert, who was 18 at the time and Michael was 16 at the time, started talking about murder and weapons. And they kind of developed this fascination for serial killers and killing and Robert had even gone as far to journal and draw pictures of murder and really grotesque things at this point though around May they had just talked about murder and had only bought like some body armor if they were to ever murder or attack people it was a month later in June that the conversation revved up between Michael and Robert being 18 now he could legally buy guns so he began buying weapons online 
He bought two guns, a shotgun, several rounds of ammunition, 250 rounds of shotgun ammo, and a thousand rounds of other ammunition. Plus, he ordered some knives. Now, he ordered the guns online and had them shipped to a gun shop in Broken Arrow where he actually picked them up and, you know, purchased them. And the plan was that they were going to murder their entire family and then do a cross-country killing spree to become famous serial killers. They were set to kill at midnight, July 16th, overnight, right? The night of the 15th. So Robert was definitely motivated by his disdain for people. He hated people. He hated society. And Michael was more motivated by the thrill of killing people and killing people in large numbers. They had a goal of 50. So first they had to use what weapons they had on their person that, um, Friday night to kill their family through the weekend. What they were going to do was they were going to take care of the bodies and wait for the rest of their ammunition to come in. It was to be delivered at their home. Then they could kind of pack up, take their time, get the family vehicle and start driving towards Washington on this spontaneous killing spree. They were ready the night before they'd already began throwing away their personal belongings and preparing to leave town for good, getting all their gear packed working out their plan. Now, the reason that they used knives on the family was for two reasons. One, the gun ammunition was not in yet. Remember, they were going to take the weekend to prepare, pack up, get the ammo, and head out of town. Two, they didn't wait on the guns because they knew they weren't going to be able to use the guns to kill their family. It would be too loud and draw too much attention from the neighbors and stuff. I mean, there's a lot of relatives in that home. So let's get to the night of the murder. They initially started before they'd planned. They weren't 100% ready, but an opportunity presented itself when their sister Crystal came into the boys' bedroom. When Crystal came into the room to tell them something, they actually had her look at Michael's laptop at at his desk to distract her so that Robert could come up and slice her throat. So Crystal was standing up at the desk looking at Michael's laptop when this happened and then she fell and began screaming. In the meantime, Robert continued stabbing her in the throat. When this happened, the mom turned up and just began screaming for the dad to call the police. Robert then starts stabbing his mom. First, he stabbed her in the neck and she tried to get away from him, but he stabbed her all over her body as she fled from him the hallway, the kitchen, until ultimately collapsing in the family room where Robert stabbed her to death. In the meantime, Crystal ran away, but Robert was too occupied with killing his mom to notice. I think that when Crystal got out, it sounded an alarm because Michael says Robert hollered, Crystal got out, and Michael had to disable the alarm at that point. Robert's the one who ran outside and got his sister who'd collapsed in the driveway, strangled her on some bench they had, I think, outside, and then brought her body back inside. At this point, she was still alive, though, and, like, screaming. Robert changed his focus from them onto his dad. His dad was basically trapped upstairs. Um, Robert and his dad had some sort of confrontation when he entered the area his dad was, um... And then they begin to physically fight, but Robert managed to take him down and he actually sliced his dad's throat. 
Next was his brother, Daniel. Daniel had locked himself into their father's office and Christopher actually locked himself in the bathroom at the same time. To lure them out and gain access to these children, Michael pretended that he was actually being attacked too and needed to escape from his brother, Robert. At this point, none of the family knows who's doing what, but they know it's really bad. So his brother, Christopher, and sister, Victoria, were in the bathroom while their father had been killed and their brother, Daniel, was hiding in the dad's office. Christopher and Victoria were only like seven and five years old. So while Michael pretended he needed to hide from Robert, um, it actually worked. Christopher opened the door for Michael, who then stabbed him. And I'm sorry, he was nine. So when Christopher opened the door for Michael, who tricked him, Michael stabbed his nine-year-old brother to death as Robert stabbed his four-year-old sister, Victoria, as they hid from their brothers in the bathroom. Daniel, who was only 12, opened the door to his dad's office where he was hiding um, and calling 911 from Michael's cell phone. That's where you can hear the help hollered. He opened the door, Michael got the phone, and he immediately broke it while Robert stabbed Daniel in the neck. Daniel ran and actually made it to the family room before he collapsed, and he was yelling for 911 and for help. Shortly after, though, Robert followed him and ultimately stabbed him to death in the family room as well, just like he'd done to his mother shortly before. Crystal was screaming, and there was a knock at the door, so the brothers panicked. They uh, grabbed their piece of body armor, and they actually went out the back door and hid in the woods, where they were ultimately found by police dogs. There was pictures all over the news of them after being found in the woods because they were like covered in mud and looked bewildered and their clothes were all ripped. Overall, the victims had a combined total of 100 infliction wounds. Crystal, the oldest survivor, was 13. April, her mother, was 44. Victoria was 5. The dad, David, was 52. Christopher was 9. And Daniel was 12. The other surviving child was um, it was only two. She was upstairs asleep, and they maintained that they had forgotten about her. Both were arrested on five counts of first-degree murder and one count of assault and battery with a deadly weapon. Michael says they initially planned that night all the way down to who was supposed to kill who, what weapon they were going to use, how they were going to do it, but it just didn't play out that way. People think murder is going to go down a lot easier than it is. And Robert was obviously going to be tried as an adult. So he was 18, 19 at the time, but nobody knew if they were going to try Michael as an adult. He was 16, 17 years old. Ultimately, he was tried as an adult too, though. Robert's trial was first. He pled not guilty and they took forever to get started on the trial because For whatever reason, his preliminary hearing kept getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. It got pushed back like five months. He ultimately pled guilty because a lot of sensitive information pertaining to the case and the victims was leaked to the public. And I just don't think he would have stood a chance. They they would have fried his ass. So he went for the lesser charge of life in prison. Michael's trial was second. Um, it began April 2018, and it ended August of 2018. His surviving teenage sister 
Um, the first person they attacked by slicing her throat and stabbing her actually testified in Michael's trial. She did not do it in the courtroom, but by video. And I'm sure, I mean, how could they have her face her brother in a courtroom after he tried to kill her? That would be so traumatic. Um, she said that Robert and Michael were very close and Michael had actually approached her a year before this happened and asked if she wanted to join them in a spree and kill the whole family with him. She said she thought it was some kind of weird joke, but interestingly, she actually said she doesn't think Robert is responsible for a majority of the killings. Um, like most people think and like Robert has said and Michael has said because she remembers Robert being by her while she heard the screams of her family members being killed. Meaning Michael had to have taken a larger role in this than he lets on. Michael maintains that he only stabbed one brother, but she implies that that is not possible. Prosecutors asked if she ever wanted to see her brothers again and she said no. Michael, too, was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. So I kind of want to touch on the social structure of the home because I'm sure everyone's like, what the hell happened to those kids, right? So according to neighbors, the Bever family, for one, homeschooled this large gang of children, and they kept really close eye and tabs on them. The children were often discouraged from commingling with neighbors and other people. They were just kind of... I guess they were just kind of forced to be together all the time, which is kind of strange. Now, according to Robert Bever's defense, both his parents were abusive, but I have not found a reliable source of information to back this claim, and I've never heard the surviving sister express any of this. Robert confessed to committing these crimes. This is what's referred to as familicide. It was premeditated. And had they not been caught, they planned to dismember the body parts of their family, put them into storage totes, hide them in the attic, and then after doing all that and cleaning up, they were going to steal the family car and go on a killing spree of at least 50 people. Robert was known to admire serial killers and wanted to be one. One that he would admire, of course. The two surviving children were adopted by a Tulsa family and the home was actually demolished. (sighs) I just can't believe that. I mean, to be betrayed like that by your own brother, to pretend like you're being attacked and and that you need help and you're seeking, um, you're seeking safety from an attacker and you're their big brother and they open the door for you and you kill them. That is so cruel. Anyway, guys, yes, this was the case of the Bever Brothers, which took place in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. A lot of people talk about this case. Very, very sad. Okay, thanks for tuning in, and I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye.